Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another PC Boys podcast. This is your boy, Logan, and today we are finally getting to the Call of Duty Vanguard uh, review. I'm going to be reviewing the multiplayer, the campaign, and the zombies. Zombies is going to be the biggest part of this entire review. Um, so if you really want to hear about my honest thoughts about zombies, uh, stay tuned to the end of this podcast. But if you're somebody that just is here for the thoughts about campaign or multiplayer, then I'm going to get right to that right now. So the campaign of Call of Duty Vanguard takes place in a fictional version of World War II. And we are, of course, with um, quote-unquote Team Vanguard, the first special teams force ever created. And and their goal is to figure out what Project Phoenix is from the Nazi party. And essentially what it is, is a successor to the Fuhrer, a.k.a. Adolf Hitler, um, is planning to overthrow Hitler or take his position and take the Nazis and put them underground. And the Nazis have also invested time into a lot of different experiments and stuff all over the world. This campaign is a very unique experience because of how they structure it. Now, normally a Call of Duty campaign, maybe other than the Black Ops franchise, does not uh, start at the end of the game. The, The Black Ops franchise um, well, the first Black Ops game took place, basically, majority of the game, you were in an interrogation room, reaccounting events, until you got to the modern time, and Vanguard Zombies did relatively the same thing this year. They started their journey in present day, where they got captured by the Nazis, and they're being interrogated, and in the interrogation, Arthur Kingsley gives a little bit of introduction to everybody on the team, including himself, um... And you go and see what these characters were doing prior to these events and prior to Vanguard being formed. Which I think is a very cool thing to do. However, the main problem I have with Vanguard's campaign is not the characters. Because I think the characters are very enjoyable. I enjoy them all. Um, But my major, I guess, problem with Vanguard is the fact that they don't really explore these characters um, and how they came to meet each other as a part of Vanguard. Vanguard. And that's kind of my major problem with the campaign. It's a it's a big thing, but I don't think it overall will affect the grading of the campaign itself. Um, so what I mean by this is due to the fact that we have um, due to the fact that we have a campaign with characters from the American, the British, Australian, and Russian, uh, you know, countries. All these people clearly are coming from different backgrounds and have different thoughts on the war. And the fact that we don't really see a lot of people, I guess, arguing or having big disagreements other than a few scenes in the prison cell, which are all um, part of the plan, might I add, just makes this whole Vanguard team feel like they were just thrown together and they all magically bonded and understood each other and everything. And, And that's the one area that I don't believe about this team. Now, unlike Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Call of Duty Black Ops 1, um, or Modern Warfare 2019, where we got to meet all the individual characters on their own missions and how they uh, came together and became Task Force 141, we don't even get to see that in this uh, game. We just get our characters from the beginning of the game a part of this group, then we get their own individual stories, but we don't ever get to a part where we get to see how Vanguard came to be and how it was formed and why. Why Arthur was chosen 
and et cetera, et cetera. They, they don't do any re really showing of that. Now, how was the campaign overall? I think the campaign was okay. This campaign, I think, is somewhere between World at War um, and... World War II, I mean, in terms of how I feel about it. Now, I really enjoy World at War's campaign. I love it to death. The only missions I really enjoyed in this entire campaign was Polina's sniper missions, which she's my favorite character of the campaign by far, and um, Wade Jackson's uh, Pacific Theater dogfighting, because I really like the Eastern Front and the Pacific Theater. I've always been a huge fan of those two things when it comes down to uh, the Call of Duty franchise or just history in general. I find it interesting because, you know, obviously the Pacific Theater is a very different fight and a different war zone than fighting on the Eastern Front. And then in the, um, you know, Eastern Front, a lot of people died, especially when we're talking about Stalingrad. And it's just kind of like, oh, damn, you know, that's a lot of shit hitting the fan. And I always find it interesting. Now, my major problems, like I said, with the campaign is just how the team formed and there doesn't really feel like there's any actual like bond or anything going on it just kind of feels like that they are just you know put together for the sake of being put together and it doesn't feel like they earned their way to becoming a team rather they just were placed there so when it comes down to vanguard's campaign there is some connective tissue to this and black ops with the ether um and the project nova and for those of you that don't know what project nova is in world war ii um which it is found out in the black ops one campaign but in world war ii the Nazis created this gas called Nova 6. Well, Friedrich Steiner did. And Nova 6 essentially was this program to create this gas that could essentially like burn people's lungs and their um, internal organs. Um, and of course, causing like nausea and puking and stuff. And it would basically kill them with the exposure within 30 to 40 seconds. And, you know, it was one of the actual most horrific myth missions I've ever played in a Call of Duty game. And, you know, it was a World War II project. So Project Nova was mentioned. And, of course, Project Ether, which is reviving the dead. And as we all know uh, from the Black Ops Cold War campaign and the Black Ops Cold War storyline, it's a part of the same universe. So the zombies and the campaign are in the same universe. They're in the same continuity, same timeline. And that goes to the same thing for Modern Warfare. The Modern Warfare timeline with zombies and stuff all takes place in the same universe so it's very kind of interesting to to see how all of that exactly uh will play out um i guess going forward but campaign wise i would have to say polina's my favorite character the campaign was okay i mean it was better than world war ii's campaign it's still not better than uh world at war's campaign which i still consider to be in my top five call of duties but it was okay um Worse than Black Ops Cold War, better than Modern Warfare 2019, in my opinion. Be the main reason I don't care about Modern Warfare 2019's campaign is just simply due to the fact that there was just too many villains and stuff going on in that movie, uh, or movie, game, um, that I just couldn't really keep, you know, up with it or really just get behind it, uh, entirely. So, now, I guess, is the, uh, you know, the second piece that we need to talk about, multiplayer. What do I think of Vanguard's multiplayer? 
I think it's a very good multiplayer. I mean, if you like Modern Warfare, you're gonna like this multiplayer. The only thing I can complain about is the spawns on the maps. Those need to get, like, fixed immediately. But other than that, I would have to say the multiplayer is really good. You know, on some maps, they've adjusted the lighting. I think that the line of sight stuff needs to get fixed as, as well with the spawns. But majority of multiplayer is relatively decent. I don't understand, though, why they have Ninja and Dead Silence um, both in the game because Dead Silence and Ninja basically both do the same thing, but one's a perk and one's a field upgrade, so I don't know what the fuck they were doing when it came to that. But very uh, nitpicky things. I think that the multiplayer experience is pretty good. Um, like I said, if you like, you know, um, Modern Warfare, you're probably going to like this one. Um, and if you didn't like Modern Warfare, you're probably not going to like this one. Um, but I definitely thought it was really interesting. Uh, and it was really cool to see. Um, so yeah, for the multiplayer, there's not really hell of a lot I can talk about. I mean, it's basically your average, you know, team deathmatch, you know, uh, kill confirms, you know, whatever it may be, like your standard COD modes. There's nothing like super crazy. There is a shit ton of maps. There's, uh, this new pacing system where you can choose to play, uh, tactical pacing, which is anywhere from like 6v6 to 8v8. Um, there's like assault pacing, which is like anywhere from like, you know, 10v10s to like, you know, upper teens. And then of course there is blitz where you can actually have up to 24 players per team in a match, and it's really interesting. Um, I guess one gripe I also would say is there's so many lines of sight in uh, Vanguard that this Call of Duty feels absolutely different when it comes to that regard. I mean, literally, you could be running down or through a building, and next thing you know, you're getting shot through the wall, or you're getting shot through the roof, or you're getting shot through the floorboards. Like, the game's destructible environments actually are pretty well done, um, and can open up lots of uh, line of fire things, but like I said, until the spawns get fixed, I don't know how you know, because I think it's a good idea but at the same time, I think that it hasn't been implemented in the best uh, way so we'll see if they fix that um, as time goes on but yeah so, um that's my multiplayer thoughts. If I had to rate the multiplayer out of uh, a 10, I would probably give the multiplayer about an 8 right now. Because actually, for a launch day Call of Duty, this is the best content offering we have gotten in a long time. I mean, there's quite a few weapons there um, at launch. And we're talking about World War II weapons, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, it's not like Modern Warfare where I expect a fuck ton because of modern day, you know, weapons and stuff. Like, you have so many errors to choose from. So that, you know, that's good. Um, there's a shit ton of maps. Uh, the modes are relatively your simple basic ones but obviously they're going to add stuff throughout the seasons um along with w more maps and whatnot and events so <laughs> my whole thing would be just you know if you're disappointed with what vanguard has to offer i would just wait until the extra seasons come out um the first season of vanguard doesn't start till december 1st so, you know, right now, basically, if you just want to get through your military ranks and unlock everything, this is what you want to be doing right now. But other than that, I would just, you know, sit and wait. Um, nothing wrong with that. Um, and then finally, my big area of this review that I want to talk about, zombies. Zombies in Vanguard is absolutely atrocious. I mean, I don't even know how we went from Cold War zombies to Vanguard it's such a kick in the balls. Vanguard zombies, in my opinion, will get better. I do think that as time goes on and we get more maps and field upgrades and perks and, you know, adjustments and stuff, I think that the mode is going to be successful. Maybe not to the levels of Cold War, but I think it will become a better game mode. Now, 
When it comes to uh, Vanguard Zombies, it isn't round base and or outbreak. It's like a mixture of the two, and it really doesn't work because there's only three objectives that you can do. There's three little small maps where you do those objectives on or closed off parts of the Stalingrad main area. And then also pack-a-punching your weapon. So the pack-a-punching now is what upgrades your rarity. Um, so basically, instead of going to the uh, weapon and armor machine like you did in Cold War to uh, upgrade your rarity and then do the pack-a-punch separately, you instead do both at the same time. So you only have to pack you punch your gun three times to get it to, you know, legendary, um, status and to get like the full effects and stuff which in my opinion i do think is a better idea than having to grind up a bunch of you know extra stuff to upgrade your weapon when it comes to like the salvage and stuff like i think that it's definitely a good change that one changes however my main problem with this now becomes okay so you have that but why did you increase the price of the first pack a punch uh, hit. So now when you hit Pack-A-Punch for the first tier, it's 7,500 points. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not a huge problem, but due to the fact that the point system is out of Outbreak, that's where the problem comes in, because in Outbreak, you only get, like, 20, 30 fucking, you know, essence for a kill, as opposed to, like, you know, round base maps where you get like a hundred essence per kill so it's like you know it, it takes much longer to upgrade your weapons and to buy stuff there's no wall weapons either which i find to be very odd i mean i get it you know people would rather just go into a game and just use their loadout weapon which i can completely understand um why people might not do uh wall weapons but if you do want a secondary weapon it's better to buy what you want on the wall rather than hitting the box unless you're trying to go for a wonder weapon which brings me to my next point there is no wonder weapons on this map whatsoever and that's a very missed opportunity um i think that a wonder weapon would have done this mode some sort of wonders um so there's that um when it comes down to crafting stuff at the table, all of the um, <clears throat> craftables uh, prices have went up. So, like, instead of spending, like, 100 salvage on a stim, it's now 300 salvage. So, it's, like, ridiculously high. Um, on top of that, you know, rebuilding barriers is no longer on this map either. You can't rebuild barriers at all, which I find to be very odd. Um, so... But anyways, once you complete an objective, which is basically either transmit where you escort, it's essentially like escorting the rover and outbreak, but it's ahead to a certain location. Um, there's that sort of objective. There's a blitz objective where essentially you just hold out in an area, kind of like the holdouts from outbreak until you get pulled back. Um, and this is, of course, how you open up other parts of the map. So instead of spending essence to open up doors, you go through these portals, complete these objectives to unlock more of the map. Um, and, uh... Then the final one is Harvest, where you have to pick up, like, five, 15 runes total, but five rooms per uh, obelisk, and you have to deposit them, and then the obelisk will move two more times, which obviously is why it takes up to 15 of these tablets uh, to complete that objective, and those are the only objectives in the game. 
So, with that being said, what about the perk system? Okay, what do we got about the perks? So, the perk system has your essentially base perks from Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. So, pretty much every perk that you got on launch day of Cold War, you get on Dur uh, Duran Fong, where you have, of course, Speed Cola, you have Quick Revive, you have uh, Deadshot, you have Stamina Up, um, and I feel like I'm forgetting one, but maybe I'm not. But, anyways, you have every single perk that you had from D-Machine. Now, the difference with the perks in this game is obviously the look of them and their icons. They are slight changes from uh, previous modes to, um, you know, accustomed to the whole new occult theme. You drink from, like, this really, like, uh, you know, skull, dead-looking um, uh, cup. Uh, if you will, and essentially the perks are supposed to be quote-unquote demon blood, according to the uh, field upgrade entities, which we'll get to in a minute. And that's, you know, essentially what that is. And you can, uh, instead of uh, earning crystals and unlocking permanent upgrades in the main menu, which I really enjoyed about Cold War and made replayability nice, in this game you have to upgrade your perks four times by purchasing each perk four times and the initial per uh, purchase of the base perk is free so you can get each perk for free however once you start upgrading it the it gets really costly and i think it's like over seventy-five thousand points in total to upgrade all the perks which is ridiculous number one and number two they don't even give you any special effects like when you upgraded the perks in cold war zombies you got special effects for each upgrade and a vanguard zombies you don't <laughs> You don't get any special perk um, for upgrading stuff. Matter of fact, you just essentially, you know, get the full effect of the base perk in uh, Cold War. So, it's in my opinion, that whole system just seems stupid. Because why would you want to spend a fuck ton of money on every single perk in the game, upgrading it four tiers every game that you play, rather than unlocking crystals and, uh, you know, unlocking every, you know, actual, like, buff or ability for that perk in the main menu and have it be permanent for every other game, which I would rather do. I'd rather just spend one price on each and every perk and be able to customize them and, you know, get them to a full max tier level on the main menu and keep that permanently. <laughs> So that was one change that I didn't understand. The, the, the aesthetic change I don't care about, but the functionality change I just didn't understand why they did that. It just didn't feel needed to me, and it felt like it was just something they did to do. Um, so not a big fan of that. How about the intel system? The thing that I loved about Cold War Zombies was, was the fact that you could pick up documents, radios, audio logs, and you could literally listen or read these pieces of intel in the main menu whenever you wanted and get the entire story. In Duran Fang, you literally have to listen to tablets and or radios, um, in-game, and they don't save to the main menu, so essentially you just listen to them in the game, hoping that a zombie doesn't kill you while you're trying to get more on the story, and that's all that it does. So, you have radios for Gabriel Craft, you have radios for Von List, and then you also have radios from a Dark Aether Entity, and... 
it's like, okay, um, that's interesting and all, but I would like to be able to just collect these and listen to them in the main menu, which I think that they should have transported that feature over from Cold War because it's really nice for the people that like lore and want more in-depth knowledge of the story that's going on, but be able to listen to it without, you know, having zombies trying to murder them in the game and just listen to it in the menu. So I think that they that's an easy fix. They can add in a feature in later seasons where you can pick up the intel and listen to it in the actual main menu you can do that i would assume that that would be a you know a relatively um easy change so that's something i'd like to see them do um but we'll see what ends up happening and what comes of that um and then of course we have um Field upgrades. Now, field upgrades in this game are relatively the same thing as it was in uh, Cold War, but you get less of them at launch. So you get Ring of Fire, uh, which is um, gift uh, gifted to you by the entity uh, by the name of... Uh, what, what the fuck was his name? Invictor. Um, then, of course, you have the... Uh, Frost Blast ability, but I don't know that god's name. Then there's the one for uh, Ether Shroud, which I believe is like Belikov or, or or something like that. Or no, Belikar. And then you have Cyrax or whatnot, and she gives you energy mines. Um, so there's like four Dark Ether entities which bond with your character. And I do like these Dark Ether entities because they give you more story and they, you know, have more actual like talking going on in the background, and that's cool. But here's the thing, right? When it comes down to everything, we already know that this is a prequel to Cold War Zombies. So what it seems like is whatever Dark Ether entity is ruling over the dark ether the color of said entity will be the color of ethereum and will be the color of uh ethereum crystals because in vanguard ethereum crystals are actually red and not purple and as you can tell by um uh oh why is it that i keep forgetting the names there's so many entities uh Corifex, who is the entity that is attached to von list the uh nazi um, SS leader, uh, he is red. So that, of course, means that everything from the Dark Aether is red. And then, of course, if you look at the Forsaken, it's per he's purple. So everything in the Dark Aether is purple. So clearly what we're seeing is that whatever Dark Aether entity rules over the Dark Aether, their color becomes what the crystals and what the dead and everything is infused with, which I find to be a very interesting thing. And I, while that's not in the lore, it's a visual storytelling sort of thing where you can kind of just see it. Um, but when it comes to these Dark Aether entities, I definitely feel like that the story for this version of zombies could be great. I think it could be more in-depth than Cold War Zombies because Cold War Zombies, we were dealing with the Forsaken as the main bad guy, but we were also dealing with, of course, Valentina for the first three main round-based maps as the bad guy, and we knew that she was planning stuff behind Omega's back. Omega really never felt like a threat to me. It felt more like Valentina and the Forsaken were a threat. Um, and of course it came from more of a scientific lens now in vanguard zombies we're dealing with more of uh, a non-scientific lens but an actual like a cult sort of lens so it's kind of you know a much different um 
it's a much different area where this whole zombies mode is coming from story-wise now. And with the more dark ether entities, I wonder how much, you know, more story we're going to get out of this. And like I said, they can do some really amazing things story-wise, but it all depends on do they fix the actual core game mechanics that people will want to stick around to listen to said story. And I think that Treyarch will fix it. But it's going to take time, and people got to understand that. It's going to be something that's going to take a long time before we actually can get to a place where Vanguard Zombies is playable. Now, I still play Vanguard Zombies, but I don't really have a fun time doing it. I just kind of feel like it's a chore. I kind of just, you know, go in there, go through a few objectives, and then I exfil. That's another thing, the exfil system. I both love and hate the exfil system. I love it in the sense that you can exfil whenever you want instead of having having to wait every five rounds after round 10, which I thought was really annoying about Cold War's exfil system, because I was like, what if I just want to exfil whenever I please, you know, because what if I end up going on to my next five rounds and then I need to leave because somebody gives me a call or something like, you know, I can't just exfil. I have to quit and then I lose all my progress and I lose, you know, my battle pass progress. So it's like, I would like to exfil whenever I possibly can. So I definitely think for the exfil system, they fixed it. But at the same time, when you exfil, you just go through a portal and that's it. That that that's literally all it is. You go through a portal, that's it. You don't get no special cutscene, nothing. So when it comes to Vanguard Zombies, there's a lot of things about the game that I don't like. It's bare bones, uh, a lot of the perks. Um, and the positive upgrades they made with Cold War are taken away. The field upgrades, you only get four of them, and you can't even upgrade those. And, yeah, it's just, it's not a great mode. Now, do I think that Treyarch can fix this, and do I think that they will have a better Zombies mode in the next few seasons? Absolutely. I trust Treyarch to fix it. I also understand that Treyarch was doing this and making this mode at the same time that they were finishing up Cold War Zombies, and probably also working on their next Zombies project for whatever next title Treyarch does. And I understand that Treyarch, they're very short-staffed, and they are you know, having to do all of these things at once. And it's not Treyarch's fault. I don't think Treyarch deserves the heat for this, in all honesty. Yes, I don't think that the mode is good, but at the same time, I think that it will get better, and I think that Treyarch just needs the time. You can't blame Treyarch for Activision wanting to publish an unfinished game. Activision has done this multiple times. It's not the developer's fault. The developer has to do what the publisher says. It's the same thing when it comes to, like, um, movie publishing. If, if so if the main head up at the studio that's publishing the movie wants the movie to go out, regardless of what the people working on the movie say, it will have to go out because it's at the top brass level. So, with all that being said, I gotta give Vanguard as a total package a 7.5 out of 10. The multiplayer is really good. The campaign is okay. It's not really the best campaign that we've had, but it's not terrible by any means. Um, but the zombies mode, I think, is what holds this game back from being a actual 8. I think that if the zombies mode gets really fixed up by the end of this game's life cycle, it, it will be an 8. Um, when it came down to Treyarch uh, with Cold War last year, it was kind of the same situation, but reverse, where zombies was great in the multiplayer or the campaign was okay but the fucking multiplayer was terrible so it was like what the fuck was going on um so these two games kind of just they have the same rating but relatively flip-flop for two different uh mode reasons but thank you very much for listening i hope you all enjoyed and i will catch you all in my next podcast which 
finally is going to be the big Spider-Man podcast, which I know people have been waiting for. So next time I'm on here, we're talking everything Spider-Man because we're literally about a month away from this movie. We'll be a month away in about seven, eight, eight days. So about a week from tomorrow, we will be... Um, a full month away from Spider-Man No Way Home, which means, obviously, we got to talk about all the confirmations that have already come down the line. We got to talk about um, the leaked images and stuff that I've seen personally and whatnot and and talk to you guys about that. Um, It's going to be a really fun podcast. I definitely recommend you guys, you know... um, you know, keep an eye out for that when I drop that, but just wanted to let you guys know that that's coming next, but thank you very much for watching, and I'll catch you all in the next one.